from firefighters to hockey players to a pot holder in the kitchen, personal protective equipment is an essential part of many people's day-to-day -day lives. The Department of Design, Housing, and Merchandising at Oklahoma State University is creating protective equipment and clothing for a variety of professions and individuals. Their goal is to help anyone who may require specific clothing in their job or for their everyday wear. Right now, one of their focuses is researching bunker gear for firefighters. Welcome to this episode of the Inside OSU podcast. I'm your host, Mally Jones. Bunker gear is heavy and thick, so firefighters are weighted down and overheating when they're on the job. Firefighters have to have clothing that is functional and will allow them to move freely as well as protect themselves. On this episode, the Housing and Merchandise Department head, Lynn Burady, talked to me about their research and how they are improving all different kinds of clothing like bunker gear. Let's start at the beginning. When and why did the Design, Housing, and Merchandising Department at OSU start to develop research on personal protective equipment? Well, I think we really made our biggest inroads just after 2000 when we started working on military gear. And we were well known for our protective military equipment. And I'm very proud to say the reason why a lot of our soldiers came home was because we really developed equipment for arms and legs. Um, torso equipment was already well established by that point, but the research that we did really helped um, in, in, uh, in, in combat. For those who don't know, what is functional clothing design or PPE? Uh, functional clothing design is basically clothing with a purpose. So it's, it's not made to look nice or walk the runway, but it's made to protect people in their jobs or to help them do their jobs. So we do work with um, agricultural workers who must spread chemicals on fields, and we create the overalls that they wear in order to keep the chemicals off the skin. Um, most common, and what people might know most, is um, bunker gear for firefighters. We're very heavily involved with um, helping our firefighters remain comfortable and safe while they're doing something that's extremely dangerous. But you can also take it to sports. Football players wear protective equipment. Ice hockey players wear protective equipment. So anything that's small or large, any, any pads that you put on, that's something that we've probably had our hands in. Can you give us some examples of what this clothing includes? Everything from, and it doesn't just necessarily have to be clothing, it can just be any sort of soft goods product. So it could be a hot pad in your home that you need to take something out of the oven with and we're there to help protect you and not get you burned to what the astronauts wear when they go to the moon. Um, everything in between uh, includes anything that's functional is functional apparel. Do people come to you and say, we need something better or we need something different? Or how does that process look? Lots of different ways. A lot of our faculty are working with individuals in Oklahoma who might have um, different abilities or something specific going on in a disease that they have to still dress comfortably, but because of their, their issue, um, they can't buy off the rack clothing. And so we work with them on a one-to-one -one basis to make sure that their clothing needs are met. Um, to something that we identify as an issue. Um, when I was in graduate school, 
uh, we realized that, and we're going back a number of years, but we realized that there was no specific equipment made for female ice hockey players. And the females were going to be in the Olympics in a few years. And so we really did a lot of research on women's physiology and how that differs from men's and how can we protect the women um, and keep them as protected as the men are. So sometimes the problems come to us, sometimes we go looking for the problems, and sometimes it's just a conversation you're having with someone and you learn about something that you never knew before and that you think you can help with. You did touch on this a little bit, but can you talk about some of the different occupations or positions or people who would need this type of clothing? Sure. Um, well, we talked about the chemical workers, the firefighters, um, sports figures um, all need some sort of protective equipment. Can you give us some examples of what kind of products these include? If you're thinking of products in terms of like we do fire protection, we do impact protection, we do sun protection. Um, so anything that, that's protective that way. But we also do, um, as I was mentioning with the differently abled people, say your hands don't work very well, but you, so you can't wear buttons on your clothing. Well, how do you dress in an acceptable manner and for most people a fashionable manner when you can't use buttons? And so we try to work with companies or work with individuals to create garments that might close with magnetics or with some other latching system so that somebody can wear a nice button-down shirt but not actually have to physically use the buttons. That's really cool, and I didn't even think about things like that. But is that something that could potentially in the future be in stores, or are they already? Because I haven't seen things like that before, but is that something that could be happening or that already is? Uh, right now it's a niche market, but it is going to explode very soon. Um, Tommy Hilfiger does have an adaptive line of clothing, and so they're probably the most mainstream. But there's um, shoe companies uh, th there's one shoe company I really love because they have a zipper that goes around the entire front or toe of the foot. So people who can't do laces can just zip their shoes on, but the shoe has laces on it. So they look to the person just looking, it looks like a regular pair of shoes. And I think that th that's really neat because these people aren't being singled out because of something they can't do. They're wearing what everybody else wants to wear. When creating these items, what are some of the things that need to be taken into consideration? There's a whole methodology that goes into something like this. And part of it is really understanding what the person wants. And I really learned this lesson about 15, 20, about 15 years ago when I first started working with firefighters. And I've never fought a fire. I've never worn a bunker gear. I had no idea what these people wanted. So the first thing I did was what I thought would be normal, and that is create a survey of what do they like about their gear and what they don't like about their gear. And I found out later that no one had ever bothered to ask them this, that you know the, the uh, regulations had all been put into place to keep them safe, but it wasn't necessarily the most functional it could be based on what they did on the fire ground. So we talked about things like not only do they need to stay safe, but they need to bend over. They need to crouch. They need to lift their arms above their head. Uh, one of the things that we heard was the um, firefighter's helmet, when they tilt their head back, it hits their air breathing machine. And so when they're crawling, they can't see. They don't have a full vision in front of them, even if there weren't smoke there. So we take, we take the advice of what the people who, the end users of this product is, and we try to come up with design solutions to solve those problems. But then we have to create a sample 
and then let them wear it for a while. And does that solve the problem? Does it make it worse? What else can we improve upon before we make the final prototype or what we think will finally work for them? So some of it's trial and error, but because we're not necessarily the ones wearing it at the end, we really need a lot of user feedback. So are there a lot of different people who are involved with this process because you have that functionality and that mobility, but you also have the science of the material and you have the fashion portion of it. So are there a lot of hands that are involved with this entire process? Absolutely. We, we also have um, anatomy people, ergonomics people. Uh, it, it's, it's always great to find something that looks nice when you're standing still, but when you have to actually, you know, climb a ladder to get to the roof to use an axe to get into a burning building, it has to be functional and safe for these guys to do so. So really having a lot of different perspectives on one team, I think, is the way to go. Um, I always think um, I have a, one of my students started working for one of the diaper teams at one of the major diaper manufacturers. And she was working right alongside with, um, you know, an ergonomist, somebody who knows about absorption of textiles. She was the fit person. And it took a team of five to just develop diapers. I mean, can you imagine what it might take to develop bunker gear or something far more serious or life-threatening? And I think that's always a fascinating process, and I'm really proud to be part of that process. What people are involved with that process? Because you are a faculty member, Mm -hmm. and you have students as well, but you also have these professionals who are coming in from the outside who tell you what they need and how they need it done. So what are all the different people who are involved with the creation process? It depends on each project. Uh, We do have a class that talks about functional clothing where the students go out and find issues that they want to solve. And that always tells me of what's going on out there. And um, one of my most successful was a young man I had in my class who worked with a football team. And evidently, they have to wrap their ankles with ace bandages before every game. That was one of his jobs. And he created something that could easily go on with just a couple of Velcro. And he actually won a national contest for his design. But that's something that I never would have even thought about. So that was of where a student would bring an idea to me. Uh, Sometimes, as a researcher, we go out looking for problems to solve. And sometimes it takes a long time. I've been working on firefighters for 15 years now, and we still don't have that down. And actually, my role in a lot of the research, I'm a sizing and fit expert. So I've been trying to figure out how do we size the bunker gear to make sure that it fits the people right. And my biggest issue is people, people like to wear things fashionably. And so one of the first things I saw when I started working with firefighters is that the younger ones like to wear their pants on their hips, where it's not protective. It has to be worn well above the waist, but it didn't feel right to them. And so educating people on how to wear things right is a way to go. Um, Other researchers have different areas. I work with a physicist, an engineer, and an ergonomics professional in my department. Uh, to take on the different challenges that we hear about. And it's and what we take on, it's usually a group effort where we'll all talk about, hey, I heard about this, I heard about this. Where do you think we can help the most? What kind of a timeline are we th- talking about? Who needs our help the most? And honestly, that, that's one of the reasons why we like working with the differently abled, particularly children. 
is that we really feel for a strong self-esteem, making sure the younger gen, you know, the younger kids can get something that is is good to wear to school, that they feel cool in. Um, you know, sometimes it's all about the shirt, isn't it? <laughs> what kind of majors do you usually have who help you with this process or this research? The majority of it is done within our department, which is fashion design and production. And we're one of the few um, programs in the country that actually does functional design at an undergraduate level because it can get really complicated, particularly when you're talking about um, like wearable technology, um, space suits. Those can get far more complicated. But we are often call upon um, kinesiology department to help us out. Um, we work a lot with fire engineering here on campus, uh, particularly to use their labs and their expertise in firefighting. Uh, we'll go to whoever we think can help us out on a particular project um, and, and see what you know how we can combine our skills and our years of knowledge to really come up with individual solutions if that's what it takes. What is the department's goal with this research? I think our goal is the same as any kind of goal. We want to help people. And by doing this, we're helping people. Uh, it's helping in a different way, but it certainly helps them hopefully have a better life and be safer at work and play. Specifically here at OSU, who does the creating and where do these final products go? Actual creating is sometimes done by the students, uh, sometimes done by the faculty. Somebody might have commissioned the study, so it's whoever commissions the study gets it. So if we're working one-on-one -on -one with someone, like say, a young man right now, let's say, um, and we're making something specifically for him because of his different, he's differently abled. It would go directly to him. But if we're working with uh, the firefighter gear, we actually, part of our partnership is with the companies that make the gear, with fire departments themselves and their purchasing agents, with the people who manufacture the textiles. We've talked a lot about your department's research overall. Now we're going to specifically talk about Dr. Summit Mandel's research. So can you tell me exactly what he is working on? Yeah, he's fascinating. He's a textile scientist with a really strong background in functional apparel, specifically firefighter gear. And what his current research is doing is nobody's ever looked at um, bunker gear and the comfort of bunker gear based on the actual work situation. So bunker gear weighs, I'm just going to estimate, about 50 pounds. So while you're wearing 50 pounds of weight, you're climbing upstairs, you're crawling on your hands and knees, you're carrying people, you're carrying hoses, and you tend to perspire. That perspiration then can literally soak the inside of your bunker gear. What happens when that wet inner liner and the protective outer liner, what does that feel like? Um, is it comfortable? Is it, can we make it better for the firefighter? And we don't know yet because nobody's done research on this. But what he's going to be doing is he's going to be checking out different liners, different materials, and different levels of wetness to see if we can create an optimum environment for the firefighter. How long does a process like that take? I wish I could say, oh, we'll know in six months, but who knows? Um, I mean, he's starting with maybe nine different fabric variations 
and three different water moisture levels. And so we'll know about that at the end of this test. But there are hundreds of combinations of fabrics and, you know, you can do all sorts of different levels of moisture. So I think it's going to be a nice ongoing research. And then, of course, you can develop new textiles based on the research that we're doing. So perhaps in the future, we'll have something even better than what's out there now. The design process for these products is always improving with the help of research like OSU's Department of Design, Housing, and Merchandising. You can learn more about the research Dr. Buretti is involved in by visiting Oklahoma State's College of Education and Human Sciences website. Thank you for listening to this week's Inside OSU podcast. I'm Allie Jones. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.